This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by you mobile. 5G makes business sense. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. Water security, reducing pollution, increasing forest cover, carbon neutrality by 2050, conserving our biodiversity and addressing climate change. These are but just some of the priorities of Nick Nasby, Minister of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change. He joins us this morning to tell us how he, he intends to achieve some of these goals. Thank you for joining us again. Um, let's Look at the latest headline, shall we, Nasmi? Because it looks like Malaysians should brace for higher water bills very soon as your ministry is preparing a cabinet paper on the implementation of a new mechanism for setting tariffs. States would now be allowed to determine their own mechanisms without federal approval. How much of a rise can we expect? And really, what controls will be in place to prevent different operators from hiking excessively? Yeah, I mean, I think just uh, to put it in perspective, uh, Xiaoning, um, there will still be uh, the proposed uh, mechanism is the tariff setting mechanism, which will be set by uh, the federal government through SPAN. Mm. So it's not a free for all per se. Um, there will still be some limits imposed and whatnot um, because we are very uh, concerned about the impact uh, on the consumers. But we also have to accept the fact that uh, a lot of water, uh, the cost of water operations are actually above the tariffs that are being paid. So basically what we, uh, that we will differentiate between states that have not increased their tariffs for more than 25 years, mm. which, is, which are the states of Pahang and Perlis. Um, where, as well as Penang, uh, because I think the cost of uh, water in Penang, or rather the price of the tariff in Penang is very, very low. So those states will be allowed uh, a bigger leeway. Um, and then the other states will be, you can see a maximum of about 30% um, of the increase of tariffs uh, because they, their tariffs are not as uh, critical mm. compared to the three states that I mentioned. Okay, so it sounds like it's about time. Okay, uh, but will there be KPIs imposed for these operators, some of which are private listed entities, to set aside a certain percentage of their profit for rehabilitation of water assets or even a targeted reduction in non-water revenue, which currently stands at, a, I think, a Malaysian average of about 34-35%, right? Yeah, so so definitely um, the way we run, I mean, at least um, SPAN regulates water in uh, the peninsula. Sabah and Sarawak is a bit uh, different. But if you focus on the peninsula, uh, so far the approach has been CAPEX is born basically by the government, by the federal government um, to build new plants. Um, even for NRW um, uh, reduction, uh, there are um, federal uh, programs for that. Um, and the two most successful states are actually uh, Selangor and Johor. Yes. Uh, and they've received uh, matching grants and whatnot. So um, what we are trying to do is uh, obviously, uh, you know, we, we are trying also to make the non-revenue water approach uh, more effective because previously, other than these two big states, mm. um, the other states find it very difficult to access the money because they still have to put out their own funds first. Mm. Um, and if they say, you know, the, the reduction target say is five points, uh, five percentage points and they get three or four percentage points, then they miss out mm. on the money altogether. So what we are saying is that if they get three percent, then they'll get a, 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 a what do you call that? Uh, prorated, yeah, prorated uh, grant. So those things are being worked out. So 
still, although they, um, you know some are operated by private parties, but most are now already taken back by the state governments. Yes. Um, and a lot of it has to do with operational costs, and and that's why the tariff uh, increase is actually very uh, critical. So we will monitor the quality. Um, and KPIs very closely for better service for the consumers. Yeah, because water security is a, a hot topic today, right? But yeah. if we look at the states, I think they're very territorial when it comes to their water assets and source of water. So how does the federal government play referee when it comes to water disputes, like in the case of Penang and Kedah, especially when these states are run by different political coalitions? Well, you know, that's... Uh shall I say, the colour of uh, uh, politics that we have today, of democracy that we have today, and it's a reality. Water has traditionally always been a state matter. Yes. It was only in the 2000s that uh, water uh, supply uh, became part of the shared list between state and federal. Previously, it was a st- entirely a state matter. So um, what we try to do is that, you know, it has, the state has to be, they have to be willing to talk to one another. So, but we also re- recognize that uh, interstate water transfer becomes a bigger reality today. We already have Pahang to Selangor and KL. We already have uh, Johor to Melaka. Um, we have Kedah. To Penang, um, but also now you know uh, Penang is exploring with Perak. Mm. There seems to be a positive movement there. Um, uh, so, so you know that will become a bigger reality as as we move on because um, you know water becomes uh, much more. Uh, but scarce. how do you navigate this though? Because things water is a very sensitive issue, yeah. isn't it? So I think uh, so far what we've done is you know I think uh, the states, everyone you know, if you approach it approach uh, water as a very uh, in a, in an objective manner and i've seen you know discussions like uh, between uh, the two the different states if they approach it on an objective manner it can be done okay. right but it has to be fair for the states that are selling the water um, as well as for those the states yes. that need the water yeah so who determines it will be fair it will be the federal government well, uh, there has to be a willingness for the states to talk to one another first. We, okay. we can't dictate. But, but you know, we, we will help to facilitate when, when there's a principal agreement between the states. Okay, let's talk about cross-border water transfer. Because yes. we have a water treaty with Singapore signed back in 1962, which only expires in 2061. Now, according to the original agreement, we sell raw water to Singapore and then at the same time Johor then purchases treated water from Singapore. But I understand in Parliament you said that there were some issues. Of course, this is a sensitive issue and what are they? Well, obviously the well-known thing is about the price of raw water. Um, You know, and and I think... uh, but but we also have to look at it uh, in a comprehensive manner. You know, uh, when can we revise? So there's two different perspectives from Malaysia, where we think we still have room. Singapore says that that window has passed. Uh, but also the fact that, you know, uh, I think uh, Johor is also getting um, treated water uh, at a certain price fixed under the agreement. And um, so we have to look at it holistically. So I think the most important thing that we had in the recent leaders retreat in Singapore, uh, led by the two prime ministers, uh, is that uh, we are restarting the joint technical committee uh, between the two states, uh, the two uh, uh, governments, uh, to discuss uh, this issue, and um, you know, not, notwithstanding the fact that you know uh, th- we all have our different uh, de facto positions on the agreement, but we are willing to talk to one another uh, because we want to look at it uh, from a neighbourly perspective. So prices might go up as we, as in uh, what you charge will be higher for the raw water. 
Well, I mean, we we believe that you know definitely we think that uh, it can be higher, uh, but obviously we have to look at it from the other perspective as well uh, in terms of uh, the price of uh, treated water that comes into Johor. Uh, but also for us, I think most importantly, I think uh, because uh, Singapore is also interested in extra. Uh, new uh, water, but for us, the priority has to be the needs of Johor, which is also very critical. Okay. Um, and in Budget 2024, theme this year was economic reform, empowering people. Now, the Ministry of Natural Resources was allocated 7.1 billion ringgit, an increase from 6.5 billion the previous year. It's small when you compare it to the Ministry of Health or Education. But what will be the focus of the ministry with these funds? Are you going to have some specific KPI and deliverables? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think uh, actually the bulk of our funds goes to um, flood mitigation and adaptation. I think that that is the biggest. Uh, water supply is also a big uh, issue, um, not just uh, in Peninsula, especially in Kelantan, mm. uh, but also in Sabah. Um, so, so I think that's where the the and Labuan, that's where a lot of the federal government's uh, attention will be. Um, I mean, the other things like uh, power uh, and all that, that's already you know covered for through the various um, uh, mechanisms or market mechanisms that's there. But there's also the issue of biodiversity and yes. forest protection, um, which um, is now gaining ground because. Um, Previously, the uh, before the new government took over, the ecological fiscal transfer, for example, was 70 million ringgit a year to be distributed to the states. Then uh, 2023, uh, PM uh, Dato' Sri Anwar increased it to 150 million. And now you get 200. 200 million, yes. Is that enough though? Because uh, in the GE15 manifesto from your side, there was a pledge to increase it to at least a billion ringgit. So isn't this sum just too small when you consider how lucrative timber and plantation industries are? Well, so I mean, green, but not green enough, would you say our budget 2024 Well, is? I think, uh, you know, you have to put it in perspective again, you know, because uh, like we said, uh, when, when we talk about um, what do you call that, EFT, mm. uh, it is, uh, you know, we were starting from in, when it was introduced in 2019, it was just 60 million ringgit. Um, yes, I mean, you know, we want to have a higher uh, amount, but it's a very uh, tight balancing game that the government is, is has to take. And I think uh, it will go along. We will be able, I mean, I, the, the idea is that we, we should be able to increase it as mm. we go for uh, uh, targeted subsidies. Uh, you know, we, our uh, subsidy bill estimated for this year was 61, uh, 60 billion ringgit and it went up to 81, 81 billion. billion. Yeah, so, so once we go on that, and our ministry has started that with uh, electricity, yes. then we can see uh, hopefully more funds for other things. Because you're... St- one state is already deciding to declassify part of its permanent forest reserve as environmentally non-sensitive areas. So, for example, like Kelantan. Mm. And, you know, land is a state matter, right? So yeah. how do you get everyone to be in agreement when states will just do their own thing? Well, I think that's why the, in this year's budget also there's this new thing which we are going to come up with the details uh, uh, in uh, soon uh, mm. is the uh, Sukuk uh, biodiversity. The one billion uh, bond. One billion bond. Uh, and I think this is something new and, and you know, it's an addition to uh, the EFT. So, you know, we are trying to educate the states. We know it's a sensitive matter. Mm. I was in Kelantan yesterday and I, I went through some of these areas that have been uh, heavily deforested um, and to some of the orang asli kampongs and whatnot that uh, are in the epicenter of uh, human uh, wildlife conflict. I met yes. the family of someone who was uh, eaten by a tiger. 
uh, and also uh, uh, loss of uh, forest and whatnot and lack of uh, water supply. So, so I think you know we 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 need to really uh, you know we are, we are trying to talk to the states and educate them that this is a long term investment. Um, you know, and and are even. They Well, you know, we are trying to get them to listen. Uh, more states are listening and more open to it. Um, also, I mean, we work hand in hand with, say, uh, primary industries mm. where where they are also telling, you know, uh, our palm oil, we need to protect its image. So these are all uh, important elements to be able to protect our forests. On the breakfast grill this morning is Nick Nazmi, Minister of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change. After the break, is a rare earth industry contradictory to Malaysia's green agenda? Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill, where the hot seat this in in the hot seat this morning is our Minister of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, Nick Nasmi. Just before the break, how much of a sticker shock will our new water rates be and can we afford it considering the rising cost of living? Now, let's go back to, you know, some of the points in budget. And that is, of course... The allocation given for flood mitigation projects, right? A total $11.8 billion for 33 flood mitigation projects and then another $563 million for slope rehabilitation budget. But Nasmi, are we addressing the root causes of these issues, which is overdevelopment, poor planning, encroachment of natural resources and improper use of land? Would attacking these issues be more cost-effective in the longer term? Well, I think that, that that's why the way we approach things uh, fundamentally from the NRECC and the government level is both mitigation and adaptation. Um, so when we talk about uh, moving away from fossil fuels, mm. um, uh, increasing our forest cover, um, those are mitigation uh, measures. Uh, but also we are preparing our national adaptation plan. Uh, so for mitigation, we have our Climate Change Act, which is yes. in the works. For adaptation, we have our national adaptation plan. We have received grants from uh, uh, some of the global funds uh, for it. And uh, we are in the midst of uh, preparing that. So, because we also have to realize that there's only so much we can mitigate. And yes. ultimately, Malaysia, you know, say a lot of countries don't mitigate. And we, we face more sea level rises and all that. As a uh, maritime country like Malaysia, we have to focus on adaptation. So that is also a big uh, preparation for it. So when we have our flood uh, mitigation projects and all that, that's just part of the whole big picture. But whether we like it or not, there are things that we have to do um, okay. because of development and whatnot. Yeah, but then the question is, you know, are we doing enough to ensure that land, especially development, is done correctly? I mean, if you look at the Batangkali landslide, the report mm. came out and said that it was triggered by significant rainfall. Mm. But with climate change and unpredictable weather patterns, should we in the first place have stricter environment environmental impact assessment standards? Well, um, what I can say is that uh, I, I totally agree. And I think uh, because weather patterns have changed. Yes. I mean, the old assumptions... So we can't do things the old way anymore. No we more. need to I adjust. mean, a lot of... I mean, look, at, look at, for example, a lot of our flood mitigation projects. It used to be about for the average recurrence interval of 50 years. Now uh, it's every year or every other year. <laughs> yes. So um, what we are doing, you know, because now we, we used to hear that, oh, this is the worst in 100 years. And then it happens again next year or the other year. So what we are doing now is that we are increasing it to 100 or 200. 
Mm. Um, some countries like Holland, where we have a, a long-standing relationship in terms of technical cooperation, they go for 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 mm. ARI. Obviously, you know, they have a long tradition in that and a lot of resources. So, But we have to increase that uh, to, to be able to face with uh, worse uh, weather uh, situations. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the 12th Malaysia Plan Midterm Review because mm. the surprise to me was the rare earth industry. It mm. was earmarked, right? Yeah. Okay, we hear big numbers, 9.5 billion contribution to GDP, generally rate 7,000 jobs. But because the way is mined, at the end of the day, it's still open pits in the ground. They're going to mm. be deforestation, then you're going to have digging, which will, of course, some level contaminate the environment and disrupt ecosystems. So it's not known for its green credentials. So which comes first, Nasmi, the environment or business? Environment first. But I have to correct you there because uh, rare earth uh, mining, mm. um, the new methods are like uh, inside to leaching. Yes. Um, and it's different from an open pit, the, the ones that we picture. Uh, not to say that there's still risks. And that's why we have, you know, we have been very careful. We have been going through uh, the discussions uh, to look at uh, how to do it uh, sustainably. Uh, Is it possible? A, Is that why you've got a new national mineral policy that's coming prepared, up soon? And that's why uh, it hasn't been tabled yet uh, mm. because we are working out the details. And, um, you know, even, um, you know, we started with uh, one pilot project for Red Earth. I mean, this is the previous government in Kenering, in Perak. And even say we want to do in more uh, uh, challenging environmental areas, we are not going to open the floodgates immediately. It will be through pilot uh, projects to see the impact. Okay, because I'm, I was concerned because it, it seems like we're going to allow mining activities in permanent forest reserves, environmentally sensitive areas and protected areas. I mean, it's nothing sacred here in Malaysia, so everything has a price. Well, you know, that's why we are going through the details very carefully. Mm. Um, yes, I mean, even in permanent forest reserves, uh, you know, there, there are various classes of it. Uh, but that is why, you know, I think um, in my answers and whatnot, we have been, you know, we haven't been uh, immediately opening everything all up. Okay. So I think that the, the, the possibility was raised and we're looking at it and anything that will be done is, we will be done through pilot, careful pilot projects. Okay. Yeah, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we want to talk about the big picture, Mm. All right. We have rare earths. All right. And it's a strategic material. It's part of the rivalry between China and the West. And it's also a crucial, it plays a crucial role in, uh, for example, EVs in uh, renewable energy. So I'm not saying that we should open everything up and our forests are sacred. I mean, we want to protect that 50% forest cover and whatnot. But again, I mean... Uh, that's that focus, but actually we, we did our study and a lot of rare earths from the survey by, by our mineral and geoscience uh, department is that it's outside um, uh, forest reserves. So I, I kept focus, uh, you know, emphasizing to the state governments, let's focus on those outside. The one in Perak, the yes. pilot project was outside. Okay, yeah. but then once again, it's a land is a state matter, mineral mm. is a state matter. Are mm. they going to listen to you? Because what? the industry can be so lucrative, you know, big sums are going to be thrown at states. Are they going to resist the temptation to do everything in accordance with all the guidelines when it does come out, when the SOPs are ready? So that's why, the, you know, the policy is there to make sure that there's uh, coordination. And secondly, because the fact that rare earth industry is still in the process of developing. We have Linus, but Linus has been traditionally taking a different type of rare earth from Australia. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so, we know how, pop, you know, the public views the Linus well, plant, right? Yeah, I mean, but yeah... Uh, so, so, but you know, we, we have to handle it carefully. It's already there. Mm. So, but what I'm saying is that there's not many places to exp uh, to sell it to. So they have to, if they have, want to export that, and that's a federal control. 
So the, 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 my, the exports, right? Yeah. So we want to control that because we don't want raw rare earth to be uh, exported. If we do this, uh, we we want to be able to maximize the advantage to Malaysia. Now I want to talk about the net zero economy or carbon free economy. Many terms bandied about, but for Malaysia, one glaring piece of the missing puzzle puzzle for me is carbon tax. You know, our carbon pricing journey appears to have come to almost like a dead end, which is a shame because it, businesses want certainty and without carbon tax, how do they plan? So why haven't we made progress on this front? Well, one one is it, uh, one part of it is that, you know, Bursa has started with the Bursa Carbon Exchange. And for the, this yeah, year... Where, for the cha- where the chairman said he was disappointed, the CEO, excuse me, he was disappointed by the, the lack of trading of yeah. carbon credits. But what I can say is that this is... Because partly is that uh, there was a lack of Malaysian projects. And this year, a Malaysian project will go. Uh, the Kiamut project from Sabah will be put in the Bursa Carbon Exchange. Uh, secondly, the Sukuk Biodiversity. That also will allow carbon credits to be generated from... a. Re- uh, repairing degraded forests. Mm. And thirdly, on carbon tax, uh, the MOF has been working, because it's a tax issue, MOF has been working uh, with the World Bank uh, to prepare for it. Um, and actually, I've spoken to some of the uh, highly polluting industries or hard-to-abate industries uh, where they are also now more open to it because with the international situation to export their products and whatnot. So when will it come willing. out? When will we know we the, will, pers- uh, the actual details? We are, we're working uh, on the details, uh, you know, uh, to be for it to be done. Uh, with with um, you know to to make sure that it's properly done because okay, it has so to be you're set not at giving right. me a date. I cannot give you a date right now. <laughs> okay, we can't let you go without talking about politics. Sure. Trust me. 24th November marks the one-year anniversary of Datuk Sri Anwar as Prime Minister of Malaysia. We've come a long way, but I hear grumblings that this government is slow to initiate reform. We are told to be patient. Things don't happen overnight, but yes, the clock is ticking. Is the pressure on or, or are you taking the voters for granted? Well, I disagree. I mean, I think um, it's the the I, the challenge is to sell because you know it's a very it's a new coalition. It's a yes. post-election coalition. That's one. Uh, but I think I mean, you look at the portfolio. Uh, you know, for example, on energy. Uh, energy transition. I think, uh, you know, even uh, the World Economic Forum has placed Malaysia as the uh, country that's uh, most prepared mm. for uh, energy transition. And with uh, NETR, um, um, HETR for hydrogen that came up from MOSTI, um, you know, you, we are seeing a massive, uh, more focus uh, on uh, renewable energy and this net zero future uh, than any time before, right? Um, also, the issue of targeted subsidies. Yeah. Um, it has been spoken about many, many times. Um, but we have uh, started uh, with uh, electricity. Uh, we have done two rounds of We're ICPT. waiting for petrol though. Everyone yes, is waiting for Yes, because the that. challenge is how do you protect those, not just the B40, but even some of, of the course. M40, which feels that they don't get the sumbangan tunai rahmah and uh, they don't have uh, enough money, they feel squeezed. So how do you protect them? That's the mechanism. And and that is being worked out by both uh, the economic ministry and also the MOF. So that will happen uh, in this government. Okay, uh, you've got a minute left. I also read your op-ed piece entitled Moving Malaysia at 60. And the point is really true. How do we avoid polarisation and restore trust in what appears to be a very divided nation then? I think more leaders, more uh, politicians from all sides, you know, we need to put the hat of being a Malaysian. Um, too often, you know, we see that race and religion is a way for us to generate votes 
without and and to me there's nothing wrong with race and religion it can be used to provide uh, uh, an an opening for dialogue yes. uh, for harmony but it's being used as it is across the world as a tool to divide and and to uh, strengthen your core votes and i think that's a major problem um, and and i think the fact that we have an opposition which is primarily um you know uh, single race mm-hmm. then that that creates that, that that challenge for us but we just have to grasp it and and um, be confident enough uh, in the center uh, centrist politics in middle malaysia to be able to win them over On that note, thank you for your time today. On the breakfast grill was Nick Nasmi, Minister of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change. I'm Wong Shaoning. This has been BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.